do 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 my name is Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio, sweetie. This is episode number 231. Do you want to know, do you want to know what Zen Parenting Radio is, sweetie? Sure. Um, it's about you. And you. You're a spiritual and emotional mom, and I'm a logical and practical dad. We, have, we discuss transformational wisdom, everyday challenges, and pop culture to encourage laughter, self-awareness, and empathy. We have three daughters, ages 7, 10, and 12, and our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent, but more importantly, to become a better you. And always remember that our motto is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. You say a lot at the beginning, because I've been waiting to say, and you, and you, and you. Do you know what that's from? No. Really? Saturday Night Live? No. What? That's from Sound of Music. To uh, you, and you, and you. I drink my jam and bread. <laughs> It's so What's long. Very well. His captain. What's the guy's Von name? Von Trapp. Yeah. Is, is is he a captain? Is that what they call him? Yeah. He he was a true captain. Captain. Mm-hmm. I want you to start calling me captain. Captain, my captain. That's right. Okay. John Keating. Um, I'm going to share <clears throat> on today's podcast a very interesting uh, discussion that I actually had on my personal tribe Facebook page. One of my one of the guys in my men's group shared this experience with his two and a half year old son. Okay. And it's really, really interesting because I'm still not sure what I think about. Yeah, you've been like pondering this for days. So um, hopefully you stick around for that. Um, but then I'm, but I'm going to let you start the show, sweetie, with certain things. But first, I want to talk about our first partner, Dr. Kelly from okay. the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. Um, their number is six three zero nine four one eight seven three three, and uh, their website is chirotree.com. Uh, Dr. Kelly is an amazing chiropractor, and if you live anywhere in Chicago, you need to check her out. So, and then um, we're our uh, Mother's Day retreat started yesterday, so we don't really need to t- promote that because nope. it's already going. But the Empowerment Project is May 18th. What Monday, is the May Empowerment 18th. Project, sweetie? The Empowerment Project is a documentary that we are bringing to Elmhurst, uh, to York Theater here mm-hmm. uh, in Elmhurst, Illinois. And it's a documentary about ordinary women doing extraordinary things. And it is um, a wonderful opportunity to take your daughter on a date. Doesn't matter how old she is. I mean, the, the recommendation is nine and older, but Nine to ninety, sweetie. Nine to ninety. Yeah, it doesn't matter how old she is. I I think that they there is a lot of value to be gained. And if you have a son, bring him to the movie too. Obviously, we're focusing on making it a date night with your daughter because it's about your son needs to see these amazing women almost just as, as much, much. Yes. as your daughter does. So anyway, uh, get tickets. How at do you get tickets? ZenParentingRadio.com. Click events, and it'll take you. Who's it brought to you by? It is brought to you by. Um, Zen Parenting uh, Radio. Right. And Comprehensive Clinical, Clinical Services. Services. DiscoverCCS.org. Um, and yeah, that's the deal. Okay. So get your tickets. Um, because we are, we're, we just, and it's because it's two weeks away, everything's selling very fast now. Like I'm getting right. emails and emails and emails. Uh, How much does it cost? Tickets. Nine bucks a ticket. Nine smackaroonies. So get, do it now because we have kind do of. Do it. I won't do it. We have a limited space. Um, okay. So I wanted to talk briefly about um, transgender because we didn't really talk uh, about Bruce Jenner after his interview, which was wonderful, by the way. Todd and I watched it together. Um, I felt very inspired by Bruce Jenner. Um, But then uh, this weekend on Super Soul Sunday um, on Oprah, uh, a woman named Janet Mock um, 
was on the show telling her story um, about – as, and again, I'm going to use her language – about being trans. Oprah did such a good job being very thoughtful about the language. He's in the building! <laughs> That's right. Oprah did such a good job on um, being very thoughtful about the language she used because uh, the whole issue of transgender really does rely a lot on the language we use, uh-huh. the understanding that we have about what it means to be transgender. And for those of you that saw the interview or interviews, um, you know that it is about what gender you are born with internally. Right. It's not about your body parts. It's not external. It's your soul and that you know when you are born or when, and as you start to develop in the world more. I think uh, Bruce Jenner talked about being five or six. Uh, Janet Mock talked about being five okay. when she figured it out. Um, but you know internally which gender you feel. Right. And a lot of us get very focused on the external, but you were born with male parts and so you're a boy. And the thing that she explained was – no, I wasn't born a boy. Mm. I was born a girl, but I was born with boy parts. And I know a lot of people say, well, what's the difference? A huge difference. Right. And I think that why I wanted to discuss this is not necessarily to go into a big you know, discussion about uh, transgender, just more about how things are just changing in such a wonderful way where we're expanding. I never heard I, – I shouldn't say I never heard, but I rare. Before we interviewed Nancy Mullen about a year ago, yeah. we interviewed a woman named Nancy Mullen and she- She works with LG, uh, LGBTQ And I was asking her, I go, okay, what's the difference between homosexuality and transgender and transvestite? And, and she I actually was, said, stop using homosexuality right. as a word. She said gay, it's gay and gay, lesbian. Yeah. Gay, lesbian, um, transgender, transsexual. And I'm finally starting to get my arms around what all these different words mean. Right. So anyways. And why it's important is it's not about, oh, it's so hard to get the words. It's about understanding people. It is. And it's confusing. It is. And so- Even we, Oprah got confused. She did. And that's what I was going to say is we have to be respectful to you, you know, like you or mm-hmm. Oprah or me or anybody who's confused about the language, but simultaneously, instead of say, well, it's too hard. And you've never said right, that. Right, right. But it's too hard. I don't want, you know, this is too difficult I can't, for me. I can't keep this straight. I can't keep this straight. It's important. This is important these are people. to the people who are having these experiences. And they're not even experiences. It's who they are. Right. Why I wanted to expand this discussion is Todd and I were having a talk in the car on the way to yoga. And he was telling me about an old uh, – there used to be a show called The Dave Chappelle Show. Um, or was it one of his stand-up? No, I think it was part of the show, but maybe it was stand-up. I'm not sure. And he was saying that that he said something on the show about how um, with women, sometimes it's confusing when women dress a certain way. Provocatively. Like provocatively yeah. and how that confuses men. Yeah, Chappelle's like, you know, if you dress like an S-L-U-T or if you dress like, you know – What's perceived what's to perceived, be. What's perceived, thank you. Uh-huh. Um, what he said was, it doesn't mean that you are, but what it does mean, but he said to men, that's really confusing. You see a girl dressed provocatively at a, at a bar or a dance club or whatever, that's really confusing. To a man, it's confusing. And again, this isn't about transgender. This is about men and women. What I said to Todd, which I thought, it, and, and I'm, my mind has expanded because of this discussion about transgender, mm-hmm. is when a man says something like that, like when a woman dresses provocatively, it's confusing to me because I think she's trying to send me some kind of message. The expansion is women are not here for men. And men 
sometimes, many times, believe that that's exactly, exactly. why so they're there. So if a woman is dressing a certain way, there's an assumption that men have— I'll be, I'll be caveman. Okay. I'll well, be, let me finish the ahead, sentence. Sorry. If a woman is dressing a certain way, there's an assumption by a man that she's dressing that way for me, mm-hmm. so I do something with that. Correct. The expansion is a woman may be dressing a certain way. I would way. say expansion one layer below that, but go ahead. The expansion is a woman may be dressing a certain way, and sure, she may like attention, male and female attention, right. but it doesn't mean anything, meaning yeah. it doesn't mean doesn't that it mean gives you I rights. want you to think that it's okay that we have sex. Exactly. And so why, and again, you were going to say a caveman thing. I well, the caveman be like, she's dressed like that. I'm going to do her a favor and notice her. I'm going to, that's what she wants. But there's notice and then there's behavior. Right. Well, I'm going to notice her and I'm going to go over and I'm going to buy her a drink and I hope to take her home tonight. Right. And the, there's, there's such a huge spectrum there yes. of being noticed and being found attractive to being assaulted. Yes. Um, my point is, is that I think when we have these brain expanding discussions that Bruce Jenner, and again, Bruce Jenner is still going by Bruce Jenner. We had a listener question us because uh, I posted something on the Facebook page about still calling him a he, and mm-hmm. he has said, still that, call me a he for now. Right. I thought it said like, this is my last interview as a man. As a he, but until we know any different, right. I, you know, meaning, we'll keep on saying we'll, he. he will let us know. Did he give a name yet? No, he hasn't. That's the thing is okay. we don't have, so for now he's. Bruce Jenner, at least to the public, right. probably not to his family. I'm sure he has transitioned right. and maybe using his new name. But I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, that that his discussion and and Janet Mock, you know, introducing us to her and her experience is that it allows us to just open our minds to that people feel different in their own bodies and have a different understanding of how they perceive the world differently than we do and that we all do, meaning, you know, but we keep that really general, like, oh, you have a different political agenda well, or you have a different What job. I'll say is that we were born, with, we were blessed with clarity of who we are and not everybody is so, I don't know, this might come out wrong. They're more, it's more challenging for some. It's more challenging. They're born like, oh my gosh, what's going on? So like, we're kind of lucky, like we know who we are. Whereas these people who are born transgender, it's really confusing. So society can mess with so it. So once now, again, have empathy towards those people. But here's the interesting thing right. is we gender wise, you and I have been very defined. When yeah. I was a little girl, I knew I was a girl Correct. and you did too. But there are other places in our life, maybe our gender was clear, but do you know who you are fully, Todd? Still working on it. That's what I mean. And so this is not just about our gender. Right. This is about who are we truly? Yeah. Like, are you really representing- Are you wearing a mask? Exactly. Yeah. Are you representing your true self on a daily basis? Because when we turn away people who are different, a lot of times it's because we don't want to look at those things in ourselves. Right. When we look at someone's sexuality and it's different, because sexuality and transgender are different things. Right. When we look at someone's sexuality- and we're like, oh, you know, that's this or that's that, or I'm uncomfortable with that. It's because it doesn't necessarily mean we're having an issue with our own sexuality, but we don't even want to look at it. Right. You know, we don't even want to understand the spectrum. And instead of just recognizing that we all have places where we're learning more about who we are. And the, the final note that I, I want to say is that the, probably the most touching part of the interview on Super Soul Sunday was when Janet explained about the first person that really accepted her. 
and helped her, you know, with her. She was talking about her makeup and tweezing her eyebrows and that kind of thing and how it feels to be seen. Mm. Not to be like, okay, you're transgender, I get it, but I know you are a woman. Right. Even though I'm seeing these things on the outside or people are still calling you because I think her birth name was Charles. Right. I know you're a woman and right. I see you. And can we do that, not just with transgender, but with everything? Mm-hmm. I know that you have a different dream than my dream, right. but I see you. I know that you are an extrovert and I am an introvert. And right. I accept that rather than trying to make you different than me. Right. Or, or not different, Well, the no, same. Yeah, we try to make people conform because that's the safest place. And what we have to do is allow for everybody's differences to shine, right? Absolutely. And sometimes it gets so silly. I had a friend who was telling me a story about how she had a mother who her mother, and this is, you guys could be like, oh my gosh, you're going so off the deep end. But her mother goes to the bathroom at a certain time every morning. Yeah. And the daughter doesn't go to the bathroom at a certain time every morning. Okay. So the mother thinks there's something wrong with the daughter because That's, she doesn't go to the bathroom the same time the mother does. It's a little crazy. Well, and that, but can you understand how this, that's a, an example of this discussion? Yeah. Just because you go to the bathroom around 9, 9.30 a.m. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean everyone else functions that way. Right. And there isn't something wrong with someone who doesn't. Right. And there isn't necessarily something wrong with you. Right. We're all doing, doing our humanity here. Right. We're all doing the best we can with what we have. But society likes to put us in a box. Or as we said last week, society is us. Right. We get in our own head. So I'll end on that bathroom story. Yeah, nice one, sweetie. <laughs> Do you, Do you wonder when I go to the bathroom? Am I on schedule? I have no idea what your schedule is, but I think it's my schedule's more all than over mine. The place. <laughs> but you know what? I got to drink a lot of water today and yesterday because I went out Saturday night with my buddies. Uh-huh, it's Todd's birthday yesterday. It was my birthday. I had an amazing day with uh, some of my best friends and um, uh, overserved myself. Yeah. That happens. all got over. So now I'm all about putting water back in my system. So I might have to stop in this podcast to go pee. When I... Hopefully not. I was in bed when they were coming home and I had the windows open because it was a lovely night and it was just funny to hear everybody come home because they were very loud and saying really funny things. Yes, we tend to do that. <laughs> okay. Um, so our on. second partner is Dr. John Kelly. Uh, his website is chicagodentistonline.com. He does comprehensive des- dentistry. His phone number is 773-631-6844. If you have a kid that's like in uh, uh, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, who might need some orthodontic work, give um, give Dr. Kelly a call because he knows what he's doing. Well, and here's the thing. I was telling Dr. Kelly we were there last week because JC got her brackets put on. Yeah. And I was explaining to him that I do – I don't think I do a very good job explaining what he does. And he said all you have to say is it's about facial development and breathing. Facial development and breathing. So non-retractable orthodontics keeps our children's facial development growing appropriately I'm and it doesn't I got to remember that. Because a lot the thing that we don't understand is we don't really have a full understanding of what happens when braces are put on. Yeah. And we just say let's straighten the teeth and it's all going to be good. Yep. But when you retract the teeth and mm-hmm. retract the mouth like that it compromises it, ch- it changes the look of your face. Yeah. And so a lot of us don't even know that mm-hmm. because we've just kind of but I have learned you that did. it definitely did it. to me. Yep. And it also impacts our breathing yeah. and which impacts our sleep, which yep. in, so this is bigger. That's why we always say Dr. Kelly is cutting edge because it's not just about who gets the straighter teeth. Mm-hmm. This is about health and alignment. So move on. Moving on. Um, so um, I want to really briefly talk before I get into the whole um, 
uh, discussion about my buddy. I don't know if I'm allowed to say his name. We had another discussion on the way to yoga today okay. about how I've noticed that my 12-year-old and I have really we've always had a great relationship and the relationship is only strengthening. It's only, yeah, you've maintained and maintained it. So, you know, cause you know, you sometimes wonder as they get closer to teenage years, but I don't know. I just feel we're as close as ever. Having said that though, she goes to you for very specific things, whether it's about a problem at school or questions about boys, like she doesn't come to me with that stuff. And I sometimes feel like, what am I doing wrong? Um, I feel like, I should be a part of those discussions, but she comes to me to have physical activity together. We play, we've been playing a lot of basketball lately and all that. And I, I just want, we talked a little bit about how, um, how, uh, I how said, to start those discussions. I said, what, what do I do? Right. And I thought that if I just ask questions, if I just come out, cause she said like one of her friends, uh, used to, bring up a certain topic right. about boys or mm-hmm. whatever. And um, so if I were to say, well, tell me what's going on or, you know, I ask a specific question, she's going to probably get not defensive, but withdraw a little bit. Well, let me start here. Okay. I think that something that men and women do, but I think dads do this more with daughters, is they ask these questions that sound really inauthentic when they're asked. Even though it's coming from a good place, yeah. it sounds like a school question. Mm-hmm. Like sitting around the dinner table. And sometimes this works, Todd, so it's not all the time. But everybody tell me a story mm-hmm. about the day. Mm-hmm. It's very hard. It's kind of annoying mm-hmm. when you're a kid. Like, okay, I have to conjure up a story to make my dad happy. Right. Um, you know, And then we'll be like, they don't talk to me. My suggestion is being a normal person and sharing your own stories and talking to your child like – it's a soul to soul thing, a peer thing. And yeah. I don't mean that, you know, people get all bent out of shape. Right. I don't mean that we're not in charge anymore, that we're not the parent. But the deep talks that I get to into with my daughters come from a place of me sharing about me, me relating to something that they're experiencing, and then they share. They don't come and knock on my door and say, I have a big story for you. Yeah. What happens is we'll be riding in the car and I'll share a story about one of my guy friends from high school, blah, 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 blah. And he had a really hard time with this. And I'm being honest. I'm not right. making up a bunch of junk. And then she'll say, I have a friend right. who's had a hard time so with that as too. as parents, sometimes I I'm feel like I'm like being the uh, – I'm just like searching for information and right. asking questions. You're being we, an inquisitor. Yes. I was going to say that word, but it didn't sound right. But you said it and it sounded okay. It does. It's exactly – it feels – pressure filled. Like an inquisition? Yeah. Like you're sitting at dinner and you're relaxing. And instead of having an authentic conversation of like, you know, you know, really natural, it's these big, grand, grand, tell me the best thing you did for someone today. Mm. That's like school. You have to come up with a story. And really we're doing that for ourselves, right? Because we're trying to teach them something. Well, and I just sometimes, you know, I don't know, sometimes at the dinner table, I there's not a whole lot of good information being shared. It's all like surfacey little stuff. But is that bad? No, but I only get the, these opportunities to talk to these girls without any distractions. It doesn't happen that often. So I want it to be as quali- quality as I can. What if you shared a story 
with the intention behind it just to share without teaching. Right. What I mean is that if sometimes, like sometimes if you share a story, you'll say, girls, guess what I did today? Yeah. I messed up. Yeah. And you can tell that you're trying to teach them it's yeah. okay to make a mistake. Right. What if you authentically were like, I went to the buildings today. Things are not going as well as I'd like them to, but I'm managing it. Right. There's a... It's like Space. then they have natural ability to yeah. jump in with something. So it's more like how you do this yeah. versus what you do. Pure, soul to soul, relationship. I'm, to, you know, like the way you and I talk. Mm-hmm. You don't come home and go, today. Right. You don't do I that. I put on me. my father you hat. You put on a father hat. Right. Exactly. And now people say, but that's who I am. I'm their father. Yes. But what this show and what, you know, conscious parenting or self-awareness is about is quit being a role. Mm-hmm. And be yourself. Right. You're still the parent. Right. So you still are in charge of maintaining and safety. Be the parent at the same but time. you can be yourself and be a parent. I feel like I didn't hit this as well as I wanted to, but I think to your point is quit trying to be such a teacher and just share yourself. Share of yourself and watch what happens. Yes. And you don't have to share bad stuff. Yeah. You don't have to be like, oh, here's all the... Sometimes I share things with the girls that I'm like, I was so excited right. when, right. or I had a success today. Yeah. And they'll be like, great. And even if they don't respond back with anything, they know me better. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a an, is it an enigma? Is what does enigma mean? Uh, I don't know. I don't want to be someone that they don't know. Right, a pretend person. I don't want to be like, well, that's my mom. I know nothing about her. I want them to know me. Right. So that's the deal. All right. Okay, um, moving on. on to my buddy. Uh, I think I can say his name. Um, so Sean, he posted this, and he has a two and a half year old, and this is direct quote. So bear with me. My two and a half year old is getting very emotional. He is pushing boundaries and challenging our authority. We have been trying to find a happy middle ground between boundaries and giving some space or wiggle room just to let him be what he is, a kid figuring stuff out. So far, so good, right? Mm -hmm. Sounds like he's an avid listener. Actually, I know he is. Yesterday, I allowed my, this is where it gets complicated. Yesterday, I allowed my child to full on rage destroy his room. It was pretty awesome to sit back, ignore my urge to control, and let him have a moment of agency within the boundaries of his own space. Parentheses, the word no was uttered zero times. So basically, just let this kid go. go. It dawned on me that this is the only space he has to call his own. I am the intruder, and maybe it's okay for him to make some decisions on how he treats that space, at least for a a rare occasion. So what's interesting, talk about self-awareness, and I'm going to keep on talking, but he says uh, that I'm the intruder. I mean, just the fact that he says that, I mean, it's kind of a harsh word, but some other dads might be like, this is my house and my you're space, living right. in it. Mm-hmm. And he's he's granting his son, space. this is his space. Mm-hmm. When there was nothing left to destroy, he found two stuffed animals that had previously never been played with. He knocked them down from a tall bookshelf with a hockey stick, showing a little bit of creativity mm-hmm. there. And for the first time, to my observance, he played imaginary theater. The animals had a conversation, dare I say, a relationship all within his imagination. I can't help but think this was no coincidence. And then this is the last one. By the way, I got in trouble for letting him do this, and I'm sure that means that he and his wife had a discussion. Mm -hmm. But I don't regret it. I understand and respect that we live in a civil world that functions on us upholding order and an expectation of controlled behavior. But I believe that breaking those expectations, dabbling in some reasonable chaos, and selectively taking a break from civility 
is a healthy function of us retaining order without the expense of sanity, free will, like taking a one-week vacation from work. That's it. So half of me is like, oh my God, I love this. He let his son express these emotions in a way that us grownups never get a chance to, or if we do, we're out of control. Um, So I love that part of it. But the other part of me is like, we're saying that this is okay for him to destroy his room by permitting it to happen. So I'm still stuck. Well, I don't know. I think it, it's got a lot to do with what comes out of it because sometimes something, the train has left the station yeah. and he's angry and raging and, you know, besides holding him, mm-hmm. if he was not being safe to himself, right. you know, there's some, there's a rage that's going to come out. Um, and, and again, it he, he could have thrown pillows all over the place. Like, I, I don't know how... I'm guessing I'm guessing was. he was like breaking stuff. Okay. Breaking his toys. I don't know that, but maybe. So, either way, I think the thing that I pull out of it is that what's, you know, cuz like he said, they're trying to figure out boundaries with him right now. What he's doing is he's expressing his emotions. Yep. Okay? This goes without saying he's having emotions. Behavior is emotions being expressed. Correct. Right. You know, when we're behaving in a certain way, it's because we're feeling a certain way. Mm-hmm. So he was obviously trying to release himself in it, it looked to Sean like rage. Yeah. So afterwards, the discussion is or the sitting with him is you you look or you you feel really angry, huh? Mm-hmm. You know, like you anger is what you're feeling. To give him the words mm-hmm. for it and not to shame him for it, but to say, wow, you feel really angry. Let's look around at the room. Mm-hmm. Look at how angry. And then starting to give him tools to be able to release the anger in such a non-violent – and again, he didn't use the word violent no. – Ra- maybe outwardly rageful way. And this is exactly like when children hit for the first time. Yeah. That feels good because they get their needs met. Yeah. And what we do is we go in and we don't say, oh, my God, I can't believe you hit. You know, well, where did that come from? All children try it. Yeah. So like all children try and destroy their room maybe. I'm yeah. sure this isn't, you know, Sean's yeah. son is not the first child who's destroyed his room. Right. But then we take that information and we give them another way. Yeah. So like the thing that I got in my head that I started writing as I was reading is – what I would do, and again, I don't know, again, personalities are different here, but I would get out a big piece of paper and I'd get, I'd say, choose a crayon. Mm-hmm. And I would say, mad, yeah. anger, and just get it out, you know, like drawing crazy stuff because drawing it out on a piece of paper can take the place of breaking the stuff in your room. See, um, not bad, but from a masculine standpoint, there's no way that that is nearly as satisfying of a release. What if you broke all the crayons? Still not as good as destroying your room. But what I will say is punching pillows, like something physical. Or let's take something out in the backyard with a bat and let's destroy it. Yeah, yeah. And let's just hit it with a bat. Yeah. But what you're doing, that is the perfect example of... Plus he's two and a half, which is tricky. Like I don't remember where kids are when they're two and a half, but well, that's not easy. they're pretty young. 
I mean, when yeah. you say what, like how many words do they know? Like, I forget. And, and it's different for every two year old. Yeah. You know, some two year olds are really highly verbal, mm-hmm. and some that could be part of it too. Yeah. Is depending on where he is on the verbal continuum, and there is no normal or abnormal. Yeah. It's just different. Is if he can't express it mm-hmm. in the way he wants to. Mm-hmm. Again, this isn't even a parent issue. Yeah. If he can't express it the way he wants to, it's going to come out in behavior. Right. So there's all sorts of pieces here. But it's finding a way for them to release it because I even felt like – and I'm glad I didn't start with this because you probably would have laughed at me – the puppets. Yeah, I would laugh at you. But but Todd, he found them and he started ha- making them talk to but, each other. But I feel like that was a result of, of him letting it out first and then the puppets happened. Well, like, I think he, if you start with the, the puppets, forget about it. Well, maybe or maybe not. Correct. Because, the, you know, he got the puppets down and he was able to find a way – and you guys can't see my hands, but they're talking to each other – release what he was feeling through their conversation. Mm-hmm. So your assumption is because he raged at his room that he needs to hit things all the time. And yeah. that's not true, Todd. Well, and what I will say is, like I said, he's two and a half. So I, I, I think if I would have to say Sean did it right or Sean did it wrong, I would vote that he did it right. Mm-hmm. If I if I know in between, right. I have Even to choose one or right. the other. Mm-hmm. But I would say that if he allows this to happen a month from now, or because I do think a conversation needs to happen in two and a half year old language, saying, "I understand anger. your anger, anger, all that stuff." Mm-hmm. Let's come up with something different other mm-hmm. than destroying a room. And I think it would have to be physical, like punching a pillow or taking a bat outside. Or see, and I also want to point out that you just said for boys, he's going to need to hit things, and and you're making an assumption that that's what he needs. Not all boys need to hit things. No, but I think this one does. Well, maybe. And and I wouldn't And that I doesn't mean know. girls don't have the same urges. The reason I say that is because we know now, research-wise, that a lot of even though boys can have more energy, they are not more violent. Correct. And they're more aggressive. If boys by their parents and by society are taught to channel their feelings in a different way, mm-hmm. they are not just going innate, to innately be violent one right. day. That's something that's taught to them. Well, and you in violent is one word in it from the books that I've read about raising boys is that genetically speaking, boys are more aggressive, but that does not translate to To violence. Right. And aggression, you know, that's the thing is aggressive. How do I want to say this? Yes. Okay. And that's, I used their more, um, they have more energy Mm -hmm. and, you know, they need to externalize maybe more than girls do. Maybe continuing you know, depending on where they are on the continuum. Right. Um, but the whole idea of giving our kids lots of di- different options and naming what they're feeling so they know that what they're feeling is a normal human yeah. emotion, that in itself can decrease mm-hmm. the rage. Yeah. Because if a kid knows it, like, you know, other things that you can give to kids, what color is that? Show me what color that feeling is. Right. Give them a color. Um, you know, help them draw with that color. Where do you feel that in your body? Where right. does that anger come from? Oh, yours is there, mine is here. Right. What you're doing is when they have the feeling, they don't need to have such a strong reaction to it because they know it's normal right. and that they can allow it to move through mm-hmm. because it's just kind of like a, mm-hmm. but when kids feel it, they, they somehow, their first instinct is to somehow, and again, releasing it is good, but have a full blown behavior reaction right. because they don't know what to do with it. Right. So what we're saying is normal yeah, and here's what you can do. Right. Yeah. I would just say to Sean, um, I, you know, like I, if I had to choose, I'd say nice job. Plus, I love the fact that he tried something out of the box. Out of the box, yeah. Like that's what parenting is. Like you, you you're gonna have another try tomorrow. Like the, 
whatever mistake you make today, it's it's not like like oh, I'm never going to get a chance to fix that one again. You're going to get plenty of chances. So I love the fact that he kind of stepped out of his comfort zone or what normal behavior, normal parenting behavior, behavior is. Yeah. Is of course this is wrong, uh, but I would say that if he allows it to continue to go without having any teachable moments as a result of these incidents, then, and I don't know what happened, then you got some issues. Well, and what I think is whenever you have an experience like this where, because he felt in his gut to to step back. Mm-hmm. He, Sean knew gut-wise, yeah. I'm going to let this and happen. That's all we ever say. We do trust our gut, Trust right? your gut. So why that's important is, as like as you said, as he goes on, maybe like when his son is four mm-hmm. and is having, because kids don't stop having anger. Right. They're going to have anger at every age. Right. Is this is always going to be a story right. that they can reflect back on. Yeah. Do you remember when you were two mm-hmm. and you destroyed your room? And that was your first experience with that really big emotion or the first time you were you know, able to release it. Yeah. And now the emotion is fine, but let's find other ways. Yeah. And they can always go back to that story. Yeah. That's anytime something happens with the girls and it's heavy or big or difficult and we have to get through it. There's this little thing in my head where I always think, but we're going to use this story forever, yeah. that we will learn so much from this and we'll, we will be able to reflect back and say, remember when you went through this and you did it. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's a good, it's already happened. Right. So what are we going to do with well, it? Well, and the other tricky part is that there's no, like, let's just say a oh, two and a half year old, you'd let this happen because he's so young and all that. Obviously, if a 10 year old does that, you know, you have to kind of do things differently. But there's like this continuum between two, two and a half and 10 years old. Like when is that moment where this display of behavior is inappropriate? And we don't know. We have to keep it's trial by error, right? Well, and I know a lot of grown men who feel the need to punch things and break windows. Right. So, you know, if you can remember in college, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so this is not a kid thing. Right. This is a human being. My point thing. is, is a allowing it to happen oh, from I a parenting perspective is when do you step in and say, this is completely, you know, if my 10-year-old did that, I'd be like, what are you doing? Well, but a 10-year-old, there's a, there's a bigger safety risk because their strength is greater. Yeah. They're, they're so much bigger. Yeah, and probably they can, chucking around a bunch of stuffed animals as a two and a half year old. Exactly. They don't, they're so little. There's yeah. not a lot, even though I'm not saying they can't do any damage. <laughs> there, It's, it's yeah, more, it's different. it's different. Where a 10-year-old, there's a safety issue yeah, right. for their safety, for your safety, right. for the safety of the windows, the room. So, and that's always, instead of Todd, instead of you are right in doing this, you are wrong in doing this, it's you, your feelings are validated, but here's the reasons why this can't happen this way when you're 10. You need to have a follow-up conversation in the appropriate language with this, with his son. And And, it's... And I'm sure he did. Yeah, of course. And it's an ongoing thing. And he's got to get on the same page as his partner too. That's tricky. Well, and you know, that's kind of one of those, I don't want to say it's literally good cop, bad cop, but I think if I came home and a child's room was destroyed and you were like, well, I just let her do it, I would probably be like, um... Hello. But then the discussion is, tell me about it, why it happened, what were you thinking you know, how do, what do we do from here? And so it's not necessarily that they would have made the exact same decision because she may have different ways. Right. Right. Two different perspectives. Exactly. All right. Listener question time. You ready? Yes. Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say her name, so I'm not going to. Yeah. Uh, My husband and I have two daughters, ages 10 and eight. I've got two parenting questions for you. Okay. Guitar lessons. My 10 year old has been taking guitar lessons for a year. She enjoys going to the weekly lessons, but seldom practices unless we bring it up. She's a quick learner and feels like she does enough practicing. 
You guys talk about how one of your daughters will practice her instrument because she enjoys playing and wants to improve. Our daughter says that she wants to improve but doesn't practice much at all. The lessons are expensive, and it's frustrating to me that she doesn't put in a minimal, minimal amount of effort, 10 minutes a day. Yet we are spending more than a minimal amount of money. I know it's not all about the money, which is why we've been continuing the lessons this long. She has three. She has a recital in three weeks. I mentioned to her that we might not continue her lessons if the recital doesn't go very well. Mm. I feel I felt guilty afterwards for yeah. saying that, even though it didn't seem to bother her, and she still isn't practicing. Any suggestions? Yeah, I mean, she mom already knows that. I'm assuming this is a mom. Yes, mom already knows that that comment was a guilt, fear, shame comment. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't do well at the recital, then you're done. Yep. That's a lot of pressure. Right. And that right right when she said those words, it hit me in the gut like, ooh. And just because you didn't see an outward reaction from her didn't mean it that didn't she didn't have her. an inside reaction. Right. A lot of times as parents, we're looking for them to break down and cry. You know, like when parents are like, I put them in a timeout and they were laughing. Well, don't be too convinced by that because right. they're having their own internal reaction and that's their defense mechanism. Um I guess my suggestion is is I guess we're made, there's a lot of assumptions made that she's not making progress because she's not doing 10 minutes a day, which is a created thing by mom. Mm-hmm. If she does 10 minutes a day, then she will be better. Mm-hmm. And we don't know that to be true. I think that if the daughter enjoys going to lessons and enjoys doing a recital, you just leave it alone. I, that would be what I'd say. What would you say? Well, um, it's I don't know if she likes going to lessons. Oh, She's, I thought it said she enjoyed lessons. Uh, I don't think so. Lessons are expensive, and it's frustrating to me that she doesn't put in a minimal amount of effort, 10 minutes a day, yet we are spending more than a minimal amount of money. Um, can, can I say one more thing? Sure. What is the outcome that mom's looking for? And, and I'm asking mom this, like, I'm frustrated. She that wants her daughter to want to practice the guitar. I know, but why? What? What is when she's like, I'm putting in money, and again, I'm I'm doing a hypothetical to any parent who would be. She'll probably this. say because music's I, important. It is, but she's doing music. What she's saying is, I want her to get better, so she gets where. What's the long? So she continues to build and improve and become proficient at the guitar. And then my. I'm saying right. she's going to lessons and she's becoming proficient. Right. Why do we feel like we need to make them do it faster mm-hmm. on our timetable and the way we would do it? Yeah, it's. I don't know if – not that it matters that much, but I don't know if this 10-year-old likes going to lessons or doesn't because she also talks about practice. And I feel like practice is at home and lessons are with a teacher or whatever. First thing I would say is um, apologize for that guilt uh, statement yeah. that she gave. That Backtrack would be the first on that. Backtrack. Yeah. Beep, beep. Um, and I don't know what the right answer is. We've always taken a completely hands-off approach to music. We don't tell, we don't remind them to play. We don't tell them they have to play and yet they play. Well, but let me say this, because we're so hands-off and we say, yeah, the girls play at night. I don't know if they do it every night or if they do it twice a week. And I'm saying that honestly, all I know is that occasionally I'm going upstairs and going to bed and I hear that clarinet. Here's my thing. If I'm going to be like harsh, I could be, I could see you can like force her hand and force her to do it. One is she's not going to like you as much. And two, she's going to be extrinsically motivated by being good at the recital when really what you want is for her to love the guitar. 
and the extrinsic motivation is you need to perform at this recital so you get good at the guitar. The intrinsic motivation, which is the motivation that we're always trying to create because that's the one that lasts and it's the healthiest, is that you want them to love playing the guitar. Mm -hmm. And if you force their hand, and I know there's a million parents out there that say, nope, you know, you, you make a decision, you sign up for lessons, you do it, you part of the guitar is that you have to practice 10 minutes a day and that's just the rules. That's fine. We don't do that. Well, and it's not just about we. I mean, because we're always, I don't want to compare it just to us. I want to compare it to the bigger picture. When we want our children, we want to introduce them to music, okay? How that comes through for them is going to be different for every kid. Some kids are going to take it to this extreme where they practice all the time. They have this love, this passion. They become amazing at it because they love it. Some kids are just playing around with it Mm -hmm. and they're figuring out, you know, like we have a good uh, friend and their son is excellent at guitar um, and he picks it up plays he's really amazing and for like a year he'll put it down for a whole year and then he'll pick it back up later and he'll play and he's really good and then he lets it go and that's life Mm -hmm. meaning when the question i was asking about what does she want her daughter to do with this so then what if she said but what if he never picked that guitar back up and her answer would be then he's not supposed he's not supposed to play the guitar because the thing is is if the teacher is having a problem like mom he or she, it's a daughter, right? Yes. The daughter's not doing what she's supposed to be doing. Here's my expectations. Then the three of them need to sit down because I do believe if you sign up for six lessons of guitar, you should finish the six lessons mm-hmm. unless it's like become some huge miserable thing where right. you guys are, you know, there are exceptions to that rule. But it's okay to do the six lessons and say you only have two more. Like Skylar, I think she's getting to the end of something she's doing. But I'm like, you have three weeks left and then you're done. Yeah. But if – if the daughter is going to practice and she's and or going to lessons and she's learning and coming home and is excited for her recital, then maybe at the recital she's not at the tip top where she could be, mm. but maybe she goes into the recital and has a good time and enjoys it. Right. And say she doesn't do well at the recital, that's her lesson yeah. to learn. You don't have to say a word. That's her you, experience. As parents are going to be like, see. Told, told you so. You don't even need to say it. They know it. They know when they suck. And don't do the I told you so to your kids because you know what? That's a total disconnection. Mm-hmm. They then feel like you are judging them mm-hmm. and that you want to win. Mm-hmm. And there's something really amazing about, you know, a kid walking outside and you saying you need a coat and they don't get their coat and then they go back inside and get their coat because they realize they're cold and saying something to the effect of, oh, yeah, it is cold, isn't it? Instead of, see, I told you. And you know what parents always say to me when I give that example? They'll say, but I did tell them and I want them to know. Well, that's your ego talking. EGO. So Um, I don't don't know if I – I think that we've kind of talked through this a lot. I just think that the question is why do you feel like she needs to practice? And you're going to say, because she needs to get better. And I'm going to say, why does she need to get better? And I'm not going to say it. It's about this lady, but many parents would say, I would say to many parents, it's because they want to be able to say, isn't my daughter great at guitar? Right. And those are, that's the onion we're trying to peel back. Yeah. Do we really want our like, daughter? Why do you really care that Why much? do we care? And it's if it's because we want them to shine so we feel good about ourselves. Yeah. And a lot of times we'll say, no, I just want them to shine for them. Well, well, well if she well, wanted to shine. Right. Well, what do we want for our kids? We want them to be successful. Maybe her definition of success is for being good at the guitar. And our definition for success is different. And maybe 
the daughter needs to have this experience of not practicing. So if she puts it down and picks it up a year later, she'll realize what needs to be done to get to a level. It's all a moment in time. We try and make a plan. Like if she, you know, practices 10 minutes a day, then it will look like this. Mm -hmm. Everything is just a moment in time. Um. I'm going to save the second half of the question for next time. You Hopefully sure? Hopefully I remember it. Yeah, just because we're 43 minutes okay. in. Um, bum, 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 bum. Oh, we got two reviews from iTunes. Nice. Creative Urban Mom gave us five stars. Uh, we are her favorite co-parents, sweetie. Thank you. I'm not going to read her review, but it is quite awesome. Thank you. Um, she said something at the end about us being sweeties. Thanks, sweeties. I think that's because I call you sweetie, right? Uh-huh. Um, and then the other one is from, I don't know if I'm allowed to say her name, so I won't, but she says, enlightening, informative, and a pleasure to listen to. Five stars. So thank, thank you. you. The iTunes, we sometimes forget to talk about them, the, but those reviews help because not just to make Todd and I feel good, even though it of course does, but because that's how you get found on iTunes. The more reviews you have, the easier it is to find our podcast. True that. Um should I do Tournament of Bad or do we want to do our movies? Dang. You don't have your movie? Well, I can do it really quick. Just hold, you say something. Do you want me something. to go first? I, I got I to gotta get – can you pause it for a second? No, I can't pause it. I, I got to go. I already pressed record. I got to go get my thing. I got to go. I got to go. I hear my mama coming. But I need I need to like not talk for a second so okay, I can come I'm up with Okay, I'm not talking. Just go ahead. I'm. This is me not talking. <laughs> I'm not talking now. Be the ball. I gotta go get my things. Go get it. Will you pause? This is Todd Adams in pause mode. You can cut this out. You can cut it out. Um, you know what I'll do? I'll do movie lines as the um, as the in between time. Here we go. Ray, when someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. What's that from? Demented and sad, but social. I'm Did you just... eat a lot of paint chips when you were a kid? <laughs> Why? I'm just doing movie lines to, um... Hope is a good thing. Maybe the best of things. And no good thing ever dies. Sweetie, no good thing ever dies. Nope, it doesn't. Okay, my number... So what number are we on? So let's... Number seven. So you go through all of yours really quick. Oh, from the top? Uh-huh. Um, my first is, uh... Star Wars. My second is Empire Strikes Back. My third is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. My fourth is Midnight Run. My fifth is Airplane. And my sixth is Shawshank Redemption. Got it. You want me to say my seventh? Let's hear it. So uh, go, you're going to go seven to ten, right? We're going to yeah, do four. Yeah, seven to ten. Yes. Uh, Dances with Wolves. Oh, I love that movie. You're not allowed to take it because I already took I'm it. I'm not going to take it. Uh, what's your seven, sweetie? Um, no, my number... Oh, yeah. So mine, my movies... <laughs> mine are Wizard of Oz, Forrest Gump, Billy Elliot... Is that Mr. Gump? Mrs. Gump. Mrs. Gump. Dead Poets Society, Perks of Being a Wallflower, To Kill a Mockingbird, and my number seven is Say Anything. Ooh, Lloyd Dobler. Lloyd All right. Dobler. All right. It's about choice. <laughs> About I'm choosing a, it. I'm choosing it. Um, say anything is uh, I could watch that movie a million times. Cameron Crowe, sweetie. Well, yeah, I have a lot of Cameron Crowe going on here. My number eight. <laughs> Stand by me. Mm, great movie. Yeah, that's more just like uh, I don't know. It's it's 
it reminds That's a boy movie. Yeah, it's a boy movie. I, I just love that movie. What do you got? Um, my number eight, as speaking of Cameron Crowe, is Almost Famous. Um, I am a golden god, sweetie. I am a golden god. You know that I think I've told you this, and I don't know if I've told Mike Ross this. Okay. But you know that that guy reminds me of Mike Ross. Yeah, and I don't see that at all. I know. I don't know why. I, I like a nice... And for 99.9% of the listeners out there don't really care that much. <laughs> I do, though. Well, it's just I like that character. I like that guy, even though he's not very good to... Um, Penny Lane. Yeah, Penny Lane. He's Penny not very Lane good to her. is in my But name. she gets him back in, yeah, she does. in a beautiful way. Sure does. All right. So Almost Famous, number eight. Um, so my number nine is A River Runs Through It. Oh, I love that movie. You've got great ones. I Am Haunted by Waters. Yes. But Paul... Maybe the only thing I really knew about Paul is that he was a good fisherman. You know more than that, he said. He was beautiful. Do you have these quotes in front of you? I don't. No, that's from my brain. That's from your brain? Yeah. I just open my mouth and stuff starts happening. Okay. What's your nine? Um, my number nine, we watched it part of it yesterday. Uh, I was asleep yesterday. The Fugitive. Ooh, that's good. Oh, it's so funny. That's my number 10. Is it really? Yeah. I love The Fugitive. You want to know why? Because it's amazing and it's a Chicago movie. Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, he's so good. <laughs> what does he say to him that part that we were laughing at? You were watching with me because uh, yeah. he said, you're getting really desperate. He's like, oh, yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Because you'd think that they would just say, you know, the typical response is, no, I'm not getting desperate. And he's like, oh, yeah. He's like so comfortable in who he is. And again, I know it's a, it's a character, but he won an Academy Award for that role. Did he really? Yes. Oh, wow. uh, best Supporting Actor. I like how he wears like sports coats and jeans in that movie. I know. He's so good. He just has, he's so real. He's got it. There's no acting going on. Okay. So my, right, am I on my number 10? Yeah. Uh, hold so, on. Let me do drum roll. Um. So I think my number 10, I have to do, it's two movies. Um, no, that's cheating. I have to because they both are in the same, they are in the same zone. What? Um, my last two movies are Wayne's World and Dumb and Dumber. You're not allowed to do that. Yes, I am because they are both number 10. That's so cheating. It's and, not even funny. Well, because they serve the same purpose for me around. You got to choose which one's better. No. Yeah. They are the same for me. I wasn't even listening. Dumb and Dumber. And what's the other one? Wayne's World. Yeah, I go Dumb and Dumber over Wayne's World. Really? Yeah. No. You know what, though? It's not because, you know, people are going, oh, those movies, they're not that great. It's not about how great they are. Or maybe some people agree. Mm. It's what the role they played in my life at the time. And Wayne's World was a huge movie for me. Why? Because I saw it like 80 times and it made me laugh a lot. And then when you and I started dating, it made you laugh a lot. And we talked about it a lot. And then Dumb and Dumber, I've watched a million and one times because when I lived with my girlfriends in Chicago, I had a TV in my room and I had a VCR. With a big play button. With a big play button. And I couldn't get cable in the basement where I lived. And I only had like two movies for my VCR, and one of them was Dumb and Dumber. So I fell asleep to Dumb and Dumber almost every night. I got worms. <laughs> um, so we got to close the show, sweetie, but we can't forget about our last partner. Avid. The bald-headed beauty, he Jeremy Kraft, 630-956-1800. That's uh, avidcode.net. Uh, we have a very special guest on Friday. 
Bridget Schulte. Oh, we forgot. Oh, I know. We were going right. to play a clip. We'll from promote her. it on Facebook. Okay. So yeah, it's going to be a really special interview. One of my favorite books of the year. Yeah. So you're playing this because of Wayne's World. Right. This is our closeout movie. It's Anything great. you want to say? Um. No. Mama. Ready, Freddie. Um, you're partied out, man. All right. We will see you guys on Friday. We'll see you on Friday. Keep trucking, though. All right. Adios.